We are in our 100-day dare. If you don't know what that is, you can go to journeykc.com groups, and you'll find out the four dares we're talking about in this season. And along with that, we are reading a Bible reading program together, walking through the Bible uh, in, in 100 days. And so you can just jump in. If you missed a portion, just jump in where you're at. And I'm preaching along the lines of something we're getting ready to read. And so there's a lot that that is covered over this next week, but we're going to center in the book of Proverbs. And so Proverbs chapter 3 is where you want to go. If you have a Bible, you want to write that down or open up your phone, whatever you want to do. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 13, it starts off and says, Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver, and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. This is pretty strong language, isn't it? This is a pretty important deal. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. Wisdom's paths are peace. I I love that last line, the paths are peace. Our peace. Anybody love to go hiking in here? Anybody love to hike? I drag my kids on hikes sometimes. They're just like, why are we walking through this? You know, I'm like, no, we're hiking. That's like different than, than walking. Um, uh, it is. A, a few months ago, uh, our family went out to Tennessee, like, like a lot of the Phillips. I mean, we we're like ants, like so numerous that the sand and the seashore, you could not count us all. And uh, we went out there for a, a Thanksgiving thing, and we decided we want to go on a hike. And so we started pulling out the All Trails app, and we're looking for different hikes and trying to decide which hike to go on. And I, and I saw on one of the hikes, it said, warning, you will probably get lost. The trail is not well marked. And I'm like, this is the one, guys. This is the one. Let's go for this one. And so we went out there, all of us gathered there, and sure enough, it was hard to find the trailhead, and we had, I mean, we had plenty of water, we had plenty of food, we had plenty of people, we had plenty of opinions, but how many of you guys know what we really needed was none of that, what we really needed was a map, right? I mean, in that moment. And so we did the best we could. We pulled out our phone, I, I, I pulled out my phone, I could barely get enough GPS, and then uh, Jordan was, I put Jordan at the back, and we kind of flip-flopped different places, and, and he had just enough wife, or just enough data, and then and I'd have enough, and we, and we would get off a little bit and then recorrect. And so what, what we thought we needed at the beginning was like, oh, we're just going to do it. But what we actually needed was a map. How many of you guys have been there before in life that like what you thought you needed, it turns out you actually needed something else? That's what this wisdom is talking about. Because here's what happens. A lot of times we think, have you ever had this thought before? If I only had more time, right? Have you guys ever thought that? If I just had more time, right? When it turns out, Maybe it's that you don't need more time. Maybe what we actually need is the wisdom on how to use our time well, right? Or, or maybe even this thought, I, if I only had more money. And, and yes, sometimes that is the case, but many times it's not that we need more money. It turns out what we actually need is wisdom on how to steward the money that God has placed in our life. Maybe we think, well, I just need more opportunities, And many times it's not that we need more opportunities. What we actually need is the wisdom and discernment on how to navigate the opportunities or to see the opportunities God is placing in front of us. And it's no more true than in the area of our relationships. It's the same thing. Many times we say, if I had more friends or if I had more of this in my relationships. In fact, the book of Proverbs is a lot about 
relationships and wisdom concerning relationships. And so I'm titling this message Relational Wisdom because that's where the book of Proverbs seems to center on. And so what I want to do is I want to talk about five healthy practices in relationships. And now this is not going to be exhaustive, but we're just going to talk about five things today that it, it can uh, it can help your marriage, it can help your friend friendships, it can help your relationship with your kids, in, any of these things. All, all of it applies. These are five healthy practices. Now, I want to be clear. These are not five things that Pastor Sean has mastered. <laughs> these are a list of things that I know to be true, and I wrestle with them just like you might wrestle with them. But I know them to be true. And so the first thing we've already hinted at, and number one is this, if you want to have relational wisdom, you have to pursue wisdom. Proverbs chapter four, verse five through eight, it says, get wisdom, do not for, get insight, do not forget, and do not turn away from the words of my mouth, do not forsake her. Listen to the language and how wisdom is portrayed, you'll see this all through the book of Proverbs, but listen to it here. It says, do not forsake her, and she will keep you. Love her. Isn't this strange language to talk about wisdom? It, it's, it's talking about it in a unique way. And she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom, and whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. Now, Proverbs uses this metaphor of wisdom as if it's a woman being pursued in a relationship. Isn't that interesting? There's like a lot of this metaphor in a healthy way to pursue wisdom. Now, I don't know if you guys, let me just talk to the guys. How many of you guys know what, what's coming up? Tomorrow, some of you guys? All the, anybody, can just, somebody just say what it is? Super Bowl. Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. Aren't you glad you came today? Because you need this right now. <laughs> Super Bowl. <laughs> It is coming up, by the way, but, but tomorrow is Valentine's Day. And I, and I thought that, you know, isn't it interesting how the book of Proverbs paints this picture of a relationship with wisdom? And since tomorrow is Valentine's Day and we're talking about relational wisdom, I, I want to, you know, I tested this out last night and I didn't know whether this was wise to show this or not or even if you'd get this or not. And this really has very little to do with the message, what I'm about to show you. But I think it's fun. And so uh, just in the spirit of Valentine's Day, let's just check this out. Awesome videos. Hi, I'm David Bringram in Dr. Resnick's video reporting class. And I'm here today to talk to you about a day that I love to celebrate and one that I'm sure you love too, too. You haven't guessed yet? Well, it's a day about love, romance, cards, courageous, a note, flowers and roses. And I'm of course talking about Valentine's Day. But hey, what are we waiting for? Let's do this. Valentine's Day, Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day has a special place in all of our hearts. Whether you're in a relationship, single, lonely, angry, homeless, balding, or popular, Everyone looks forward to an awesome Valentine's Day. 
Before we go any further, let's take a look back at the history of Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day first started in 500 AD in Europe. The history of Valentine's Day. Love is in the air this Valentine's Day. Everyone has twinkles in his eye. This city is gonna paint the town red and pink. I'm here today with local florist owner, Mike Rabinowitz. Mike, tell us how you're gonna take Valentine's Day and make it special for someone. Well, we at Dr. Flower love Valentine's Day and we love to cater to the college student. And so we've got all kinds of deals and packages for the Happy Valentine's Day. Oh, hi. And now it's time for Damon's The Four L's of Valentine's Day dates. Four L's? Laugh. Like the person you're with. Elaborate. But don't take my word for it. Four L's? See for yourself. Wow, Valentine's Day is almost here and I already have goose pimples. I hope you have a great Valentine's Day whether you're out with your sweetheart or you get pizza and stay home and cry yourself to sleep. Thanks for joining me on this Valentine's Day journey. It's been an amazing trip. I hope to see you on my next video. For now, I'm David Brindgram signing, signing off. off. over uh, okay uh, wow okay uh, just want to get you in the mood there so wisdom let's get back on with the topic okay wisdom doesn't just happen you have to pursue wisdom Here, here's what a lot of times people think think okay wisdom comes with age and knowledge and experience but how many of you guys know a lot of people who maybe have a lot of information but aren't so wise right because it doesn't just come automatically. You have to pursue wisdom. Now, I saw this illustration from a pastor uh, that I, I follow, and I thought, well, I'm just gonna steal it, and it'll be for your benefit. But uh, have you guys been wondering what this cake is here for, right? Uh, this cake, um, you can do a lot of things with this cake. You can, um, you can eat it, for one thing, but if you wanted to, you could analyze exactly all the, you know, how good it is. Have you guys ever watched, like, the Great British Baking Show or something like that? You could bring up those people, and they could slice into this cake, and they could tell you, you know, all of this information. Oh, it's too dry, or it's too sugary, or it's too whatever, and they could answer a lot of these what questions about this cake. You could even bring up, like, a food scientist, and they could analyze this under a microscope, and they could tell you all sorts of things, possibly, like, like what temperature it was baked at, and uh, whether it came out of a pre-mix or whether it was made from scratch. They could do all of this information, answer all of these questions about this cake. But what you couldn't answer by doing that is answering, you can answer a lot of what and how questions, but you couldn't answer who made it and why it was made. 
Now, when we talk about, this is the way a lot of people, you know, they struggle, you know, when they read, let's say, the book of Genesis, and they read about the creation, and they try to answer all of these what and these how questions, and bring, you know, we have all these, this, bring in science into it, and, and try to figure out, you know, was it a literal day of creation or a figurative day, and we, we try to answer all of these questions, and what happens is we end up missing the bigger question of it all, which is who made it all? And why was it even made? Now, I know who made this cake. My wife actually made this cake. And I know why she made this cake. She made this cake because I asked her to make a cake for the church service. That's why she made the cake. But those are the bigger questions. Now, when it comes to wisdom, I think the same thing happens. We try to, we try to put wisdom all in the box of knowledge. Like if I could just answer all of these what questions and these how questions and gather information and gather facts, and then I'll have wisdom on how to make decisions in my situations and in my life. But what we're really missing is the bigger piece to all of this, which is wisdom is not just what and how. Wisdom is who and why. And that's why wisdom is relational. Wisdom is relational. So we, we see in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, the fear of the Lord. That's the reverence, the awe, the relationship that we have with God is the beginning of wisdom. You see, you can't really have true wisdom without a relationship with God in the mix. You can answer all the what and how questions all day long, but if you don't have the who and the why, you're not going to be walking in God's wisdom. But it's not just a relationship with God that brings wisdom, even though wisdom is relational and wisdom comes from God. It also goes further. It says in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, whoever walks with wise people becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. So if you want to uh, improve your marriage, don't hang out with a bunch of divorce attorneys because they're going to give you the advice that they know and you're probably going to be steered in a different direction than trying to work on your marriage, right? And so if you want to hang around wise people in the sense of, of trying to, you know, I know where I need to go in life. I know where God's calling me in this area. Hang out with people who are going to bring that godly wisdom in that area of your life. Because wisdom is relationship, and relationships unlock wisdom. So here's my question. What is your relationship to wisdom? The Bible uses wisdom in this this uh, uh, metaphor of a relationship. What is your relationship with wisdom? Are you just waiting for wisdom to come and just assuming that the longer I live and the more I read and study and the, the more I you know, have experiences, I'm going to gain wisdom? That's not necessarily true. Are you pursuing wisdom and pursuing people of wisdom and pursuing opportunities to gain godly wisdom? Now, if you're wondering in the area of my relationship, how do I do that? Well, let's just talk specifically to the married people. If you're wondering, how could I pursue a wisdom opportunity? How could I pursue relation and get around people who are going to help me walk wise in the area of my marriage? Well, if you missed the announcement, we have a marriage conference coming up this weekend. And I know you've already seen this announcement, but I'm going to play it again just to put it in your face again. If you're looking for an opportunity, this is your opportunity coming up this week. So let's play this right now. You have a 100% chance of success in marriage. You just need to do it God's way. A strong marriage rarely has two strong people at the same time, but it's often a husband and wife who take turns being strong for each other in the moments the other is weak, and then together realizing that it's Jesus who's holding you. 
aim of our marriages, church, today is that we would transform by the power of the Spirit of God into the likeness of Jesus himself. May the God of hope fill you all with joy and peace as you hold hands with one another. All right, come on, that's coming right up. If you are not signed up for that, right now, we have QR code right on the screen. You should be taking out your phone, holding it up right now. All right, that's, that's you guys. It, that's, somebody pretend to do it just to make me feel better, okay? Just hold up your phone. There you go. If you're already registered, go ahead and hold it up. But if you're not registered, hold up your phone and take out your camera and you can, it'll take you a link right there and you can sign up right now because it's coming right up. And this is, this is part of it. We think wisdom is just gonna come to us. No, you have to go pursue it. And there's no better opportunity for you than what's coming up this weekend. And I wanna highly encourage you to do that. But I'm not the only one preaching this message today. I'm gonna enlist my wife, Becca, to come and help bring point number two. Give her a big hand as she comes up. Yeah, so before I talk about pride, let me move this cake so that there, that bad spot's in the back now. There, isn't that pretty? Okay. Okay, so second point is dethrone pride. And when we were discussing this, I, I said, well, what about conquer pride? And he said, what about dethrone pride? I was like, okay, good, good deal. So we were kind of on the same page. We wanted a battle word. You guys know that pride is always trying to get the throne. Every interaction with your spouse, with your friends, with your kids, pride is there and wants to put you first. You want to put yourself first. And specifically, one way that we're going to talk about this today is the idea that I'm right, you're wrong, nothing's going to move forward until you agree that I'm right. Um, and I will say there were several times when I was preparing for this that I was like, I'll bet you there's a reason that Sean wanted me to take this particular point and study about how to handle and walk in pride. I kind of struggle with this a little bit, but let's work through it together, shall we? So um, speaking about marriages, I think there are lots of reasons that marriages fail. You guys know that. You've heard all the statistics, but I believe that pride is behind those reasons. You know, whether, the, whether it's about finances or sex or whatever, pride is behind that. It's hanging on to me and my way and not being willing to be open. So let's look at Proverbs 16, 18 through 19. So pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So let's stop right there. Do you believe the Bible's true? Somebody talk to me. Yes? So this says pride goes before destruction. Now this doesn't, a lot of people misquote this verse and they say, well, pride goes before a fall. But no, pride goes before destruction. Pride doesn't come before a bad day or you know, well, my, you know, my day's a little bit messed up. Before destruction, you guys. So we're talking about utter destruction. The Bible's trying to warn us that pride destroys, but humility builds. So in your relationships, pride destroys, humility builds. Pride is like you and your spouse or you and whatever. And pride is folding your arms and turning away. Here's my, my stance my opinion, what I think is happening, but humility turns around and opens their hand, opens their heart, and is willing to bow. 
whenever I get up here and I try to speak, I always try to think of something personal, something funny, something about, you know, me and Sean that I can share with you uh, or me and my kids or whatever. But I'm just going to be honest. When I started thinking back on something related to pride, everything was ugly. Everything was sad. Everything, all the times that I stepped up and I tried to, like, hold my ground, it just caused hurt and um, things that, that we had to work through. Pride is ugly, you guys. Don't let it have the throne. Don't let it. It's a daily fight. Keep fighting. And the second part of that verse talks that, it, that it's better to be humble with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. Divide the spoil. That means to win. That means not just to win, but to win so much that they're spoil. But it's saying that it's better to be humble than to be the winner. Do you believe that? I mean, do you really believe that? The next time you get in an argument with somebody, do you really believe that? That it's better to be humble than it is to win the argument or whatever. So I don't know how much you guys read Proverbs. For a long time, years and years and years, I would read the proverb of the day. And Proverbs talks about fools a lot. Like the idea that uh, what fools are and what they are getting. And here's just a few things. Fools despise wisdom. Fools has legacy as their shame. Fools will fall. Beatings are prepared for the backs of fools. I mean, Proverbs just is relentless with the way that they treat someone who is foolish. And it kind of all culminates in chapter 26. There's eight verses on fools are this, fools, fools, fools. But at the end of it, it says, do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than for him. And just think about that. Just think about when you're holding on to something, when you feel like you're right, when you feel like you're wise in your own eyes. Think about this and be willing to dethrone pride. We all need to practice. You know, you guys, practice saying you're sorry. Practice saying, I am wrong. I am wrong a lot because you are all wrong a lot and you know it. So right now, look at your spouse and say, I am wrong a lot. That was really funny to watch from up here. So um, anyway, open hand. And let me just say one more thing. The one that needs to be humble isn't necessarily the one that is wrong or right. Both. Both people in a relationship, both people in a friendship, both people need to be humble, need to say, I'm willing to entertain the fact that I might be wrong. Let's work at it. Let's reconcile. Amen. Um, yeah, number three. Lower the door. Now, this is going to take some explanation. Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 19 says, Whoever loves transgression loves strife. He who makes his door high seeks destruction. You ever read something in the Bible and you're like, this has nothing to do with my life, right? Yeah, I do that too. And I'm like, what, what does that mean to have, make my door high? But then if you start to study it out, you know, in ancient times, there would, there would be these wandering bands of people that might ride around looking to cause trouble. And so if, if you had a high gate in a city, then they could just ride straight in on their horses and cause trouble. And so many times what would happen is a city that wanted to avoid trouble would actually lower their gate or lower their door so that somebody couldn't just ride in. 
So to have a high door was actually an invitation to trouble, like looking for trouble, looking for a fight. And even in the city, within the city, there would be houses that had great wealth in them. And so what they would do is they would make the outside of their house look unattractive and uninviting and even lower their door so somebody couldn't come in and, and to take over and to destroy things. Some people even say as low, they would lower their door as low as three feet high so that it would be hard for someone to come in and cause trouble. So what it's saying here is that if you have a high door in your life, what you are doing is basically, I'm just looking for a fight. I'm just looking for trouble. And relational wisdom says, no, we've got to go into it and we've got to lower the door. So to minimize strife, you might have to lower the door. Now, there are other places in the Bible where the scriptures are so plain, they don't really need too much, too much explanation. And this is one of them, Proverbs chapter 18, 6. A fool's lips walk into a fight and his mouth invites a beating. How many of you guys have been that guy before, right? That takes very little explanation. Like, I've been that person a lot. In fact, early in our marriage, I realized that I could win almost every fight that I had with Becca because I would just decide I'm going to be more stubborn, I'm going to be whatever, and all this type of stuff. And I realized no one's winning here. Like, I'm just, I had a high door. I'm just like, look, you want to, you know, let's, let's do this. And no one was winning. And so I had to learn over time that I have to lower my door. I have to lower my door so that I'm not looking for a fight. I'm not inviting trouble. I'm not easily access, accessing trouble. My mom tells a story of when I was a young teenager and, you know, we would have a disagreement and I would talk and I would just get her, you know, she would have an issue she's trying to bring to me and I would just debate her about it. And finally, to get, get her all twisted where now she thought she was wrong in the matter. So she would call up my grandma and she's like, here's what I said. I know I'm right, but then here's what he said and here's what I said. Am I wrong? And she's like, no, he's just good at debating. You're not wrong. I had to lower my door. I'm still working on lowering my door. Because I, I realize that just because I can win a discussion does not mean that that's the right thing. Just because I have a bigger personality or just because I, have a more, I can be more stubborn or I can whatever does not mean that it's the right thing. I have to lower my door. It goes along with what Becca talked about as far as pride. So how can we make ourselves less of an open door for strife? Let me just give you three quick things that, um, that really do help and have helped me. Uh, they are right tone. I realize that if I come into a conversation with a high intensity tone, that people generally come to match that tone. And I've realized that I can do that even unintentionally, that I can come in with a high tone and high intensity, and people will rise to match that, and nothing good comes of that. That's called having a high door. And so I've learned that if I lower my tone, it seems like that others might lower their tone as well. That's lowering the door. Uh, right timing. That, you, know, you, you know, sometimes if you're in a marriage or something like that and maybe somebody will come up, or even in a family, somebody will come up and there's 15 seconds left in the game. It's o double overtime and they come up and say, hey, I've got an issue you want to talk about it right now. You know, I've been in that situation before, and I'm like, I, it's not really a good time. I will talk about this because the relationship is more important than football game, but you might have better results if you have a better time to discuss these things. Now, again, some of us have a high door, and so, listen, if we're honest, we intentionally pick times that we know are advantageous to our discussion. That's called having a high door. When you lower the door, what you're doing is you're given every opportunity for peace to come. So right tone, right timing, right topic. 
Because what happens many times we get into a discussion or an issue, we start to bounce around from topic to topic. We say, I want to talk about this, and we start talking about all these other things. Or we start changing the topic, and now the topic, the issue, now is really the person. And instead of attacking the problem, we attack the person. And I found these things, if I can have right tone, right timing, right topic, it really helps lower the door in my life and to make, make it so I'm not inviting trouble in every conversation, all right? Point number three, you might need this, or point number four, you might need this next point to do all these things. So I'm gonna invite Becca back up. Give her a big hand, she comes up. I will resist, because this next point's really important. Trust in the Lord, trust in the Lord. Proverbs three, five, and six. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. This is the key to me. Like all five of these points, trusting in God is behind it all. Because you can do all the right things, but God needs to help you. God needs to come behind and help. Because marriage is hard, you guys, right? Well, relationships are hard, but, you know, I I kind of approach this sermon kind of from the topic of marriage. I... um, he had asked me to help him preach early this week, and I knew that we, were, we always preached about what, you, what we were all going to read the next week, right? And so I started looking at the titles of what we were going to read. It's actually pretty funny when you're thinking about doing a marriage sermon and looking at the titles coming, because it was Jonah, uh, Daniel in the lion's den, the day of judgment, the suffering servant, and I'm like... <laughs> This is going to be a crazy marriage sermon. But he picked Proverbs. I was like, oh, that's perfect. You know, that's great. But trying to do this on your own is foolish. And you have to have God. You have to have God's wisdom and God's anointing behind it. Uh, We have a pretty big garden. It's like 80 by 50 feet. And um, one day it needed to be tilled. I needed to plant something. And he was gone. And so I thought, I can do this. I can, you know, we had bought a a nice tiller. I was like, I can till at least enough for me to plant. And so I lugged it out, and I pushed it up to the garden. And I did, I don't know, maybe one or two rows. And it was so hard. And I was like, I I, I mean, I was sweating. I was was out of breath. And then I don't remember if he came home or if I figured out that it has a self-propel function (laughs) that I had not engaged and didn't even know. And I'm like... And so I, and it's like, oh my gosh, this is so easy. You know, it like just went on its own. But that's the way it is. That's, that's when we're trying to do it on our own. And God's like, if you just trust in me, then it'll be so much easier. Trying to fix it on your own. How many, how many moms know what I'm talking about? Trying to fix it on your own is like when a kid gets a knot in their shoe or something. And instead of just giving it to you right away, they try to fix it, right? And by the time you get it, it's like six times as worse and it's as hard as a rock. And you're like, if you just would have given it to me. So just give it to God. Seek God every day for your relationship. Lean on God. Whether or not your relationships are healthy or great or whether they're struggling, we all need God. But if you are going through a rough season with a kid or a friend or your spouse, let me share just a couple things for you. God has a plan, and you might not know what it is, okay? So don't assume that you know the path that God has planned towards health in your relationship. Don't assume that. Don't get in the way of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has a plan. You are not your spouse's Holy Spirit. Amen? You are not your spouse's Holy Spirit. It is not your job to convict them. 
It's your job to, in love, in truth, to bring it up. And then you back off and you pray. That's the way to do it. Let's, th- let's imagine that, let's just imagine, because this never happens, but that Sean has an issue, or, or I have an issue, and, um, and it might be serious. It might be something that really needs to be worked on. So he could bring it up to me, and he could say, you know, I, I think that you need to fix this, and then I push back, not that that's ever happened, and then he would bring it up again. And, you know, just this constant where he's trying to bring it up and bring it up and bring it up, and it just causes stress and conflict and division. Or he could bring it up, I could bring it up one time, and then we pray. Think about that. It's better for him. He doesn't have to stress and worry. It's better for me because once I make the change, I will have made it for the right reason. I won't have made it because somebody was pushing or nagging. I will have made it because that's what God told me to do, right? So it's a better change. It's a deeper change. It's a more healthy, more mature change. Don't get in the way of the Holy Spirit. He has a plan, and it's better. It's better than what you think it is. And trusting in God gives you peace. If you can really get to the place where you trust in God, you will be in peace, you will know that it's in God's hands. And when we're in peace, we're less likely to do something stupid, right? We're less likely to say something stupid. If we know that our relationships, our marriages are in God's hands, I just I want to give you guys hope. If you're struggling, don't give up. It's in God's hands. Sean shared uh, um, about some how crazy our life has been for the last two months. And the one time, you guys know, I was in the hospital for several days. And... The second day that I was there, uh, Sean got a phone call from Shaylin, our daughter, and you know, I'm laying there in the hospital bed, and I can hear her. She's either panicked or crying on the other end of the phone. I can't really make out what she's saying, and I can tell by what he's saying that she's been in a really bad accident, and so, you know, I'm frozen trying to figure out what's going on, and he says, are you okay? And um, all I can hear is, I don't know, I'm bleeding, I don't know where I'm bleeding from, And so he gets up, and he runs out of the hospital room, and I'm just there. (laughs) You know, I mean, I I mean, I will tell you guys, excuse me, I don't think I've ever had in in my life panic and fear try to hit so hard, Um, because I knew it would easily be half an hour, 45 minutes before I knew anything, before I knew if she was okay, before I knew anything, and I was, you know, I was trying to get a hold of it. I was trying to, I was praying and I did, I did a smart thing and I called my brother and I said, this is what happened. You know, don't bother Sean because he's racing to get to where she is. And he brought Sarah on the phone and they prayed for me over the speakerphone and peace fell on me, you know, and and the panic and the fear left. But what they did was they reminded me she's in God's hands and it's okay. She's in God's hands. Sean's not there yet. I can't be there, but she's in God's hands. And she was in God's hands. Um, It turns out the lady in the car behind her after the accident was a paramedic. You know, she got out. She was able to help Shaylin. Uh, Ben was on the same road that Shaylin was on when she was in the accident. And so he got there before Sean did. I mean, so it was all okay. She was in God's hands. And your relationships are in God's hands. Don't give up. Just trust in God. He's good. He's so good. And he wants your relationships to succeed. All right, number five, rule your spirit. 
Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32 says, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Think about that. Like, what does it take to take a city? It says if you can rule your spirit, you're like stronger and mightier than somebody who could even take a city. Now, when this word spirit is used, it's not used in the same way that we talked about last week. Last week, we talked about body, soul, spirit, how we're made up of three parts, and our spirit being that part that comes alive in Christ. That, that's not the word that's being used here. What's actually, if you study it out, the word is uh, of, it's more used in the sense of breath or mouth, or in other places, it's used in the place of the spoken word of God. What this is saying is, that if you, that it's talking about being Lord or master of ruling over the thing that's in you that comes out of you. How many of you guys know that's a challenge right there, isn't it? <laughs> but if you can rule over what's in you coming out of you, you're, you're stronger or mightier than someone who could even take a city. And so Proverbs chapter 3, verse 19 and 20 connects it back with the creative power of God. And it says this. It says, in, it says, the Lord by wisdom founded the earth. Remember, God spoke the earth into existence. It says, by wisdom he founded the earth. By understanding he established the heavens. By his knowledge the, deep, the deeps broke open and the clouds dropped down the dew. So what it's tying this into is this idea that ruling your spirit is ruling over what's in you that comes out of you that creates something. So we could say it this way, that ruling your spirit is a creative act. Because what's in you coming out of you creates something. The question is, what is it creating? What is what's in you coming out of you actually creating? If that is a law of God, that what's in you comes out of you creates something, what kind of something is being creative, created in that process? Because our words are kind of like a, a paintbrush. Even if you're by yourself, you're creating something in your words and in your thoughts. So as the worship team comes back up, I, I want to just remind you of a couple things as they do. That's why I say I'm even careful to not gossip with Becca. Because you realize you can gossip with your spouse. I'm not talking about holding things back from her. I'm talking about I am intent, there are many times I'll say, I'm not gonna, you know, I don't need to share that. Not because it's something she doesn't know or doesn't need to know. It's that there's, I'm not going to bring stuff up and talk bad about people or situations, even with my spouse, because that's creating something. I'm not gonna do that in my own heart, like stir over these thoughts. The Bible says, take control of those thoughts. Because it's creating something. And guys, I wish it came natural for me. Don't you wish that these things came natural? Like it just was the natural thing that happened. And I'm telling you, this stuff does not come natural for me. So if Becca and I, if we'll have a disagreement, maybe we'll walk away and it's tense in a disagreement like that. I don't naturally want to say I'm sorry or I was wrong, all the stuff we've talked about. I don't, want to na I don't naturally want to lean back into love, generally. I just, you know, that's just, maybe I should be better that, than that, but I don't naturally always want to do that. But here's what happens. Whenever I go away from that and it's tense and I get with God, all of a sudden my natural is exchanged for his supernatural. And it's like, I'm like, darn it, I, ah, I want to apologize now. And I, you know, because you know how it is, you kind of want to be over here, right? But then when I get in the supernatural presence of God, I'm like, ah, oh, I want to lean back in. Oh, I want to do the right thing. 
And so even if it doesn't come natural for you, like it doesn't many times come natural for me, when I get with God, see, here's what I want to challenge you with. Commit to consulting with God and not just yourself. Because when you consult with God, your natural gets exchanged for his supernatural. And all of a sudden, you want to rule over your spirit. And you want to rule over what's in you coming out of you. You want to lean back into love. You want to do these things because that is the nature of God. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 20 and 21 says, From the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. He is satisfied by the yield of his lips. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. And that's true. And so what we're going to do here at the end here is the worship team is going to play. And instead of us standing up and worshiping immediately, what we're going to do is we're just going to give some time, just a little space. And, and at some point, whenever you feel ready, you can stand up and worship. We're not restricting you from worshiping. But I do want to encourage you to, to sit for a moment. And here's my challenge. You can... Take out a pen and paper. There's, there's paper in the back of the seats even if you want to grab something or grab your phone, write something down. Here's, here's my challenge. If what's in you coming out of you creates something, what if we, whatever relationship God puts on your heart, what if we took some time right now to write down some new declarations that we want to say over that relationship? Not what's natural, what's supernatural. So I'm gonna give us some space to write down some new declarations. And just practice it this week. Just give it seven days. Because right now it may seem hopeless. Right now you may be frustrated. But what it, I just want to give you a moment to write down some new declarations that you can confess out over that relationship. Just give it seven days. Just by the next time you come in here, just see what's different. See what's different. Maybe the circumstance isn't different. Maybe the other person hasn't changed. But man, I'll be surprised if something hasn't happened in you. I'll be surprised if something hasn't changed in your heart towards that person, towards that situation. And so we're just going to sit in it and give some time. And I'm going to pray. God, I, I just pray for this time right now. Holy Spirit, be in this moment. Be in this moment as we write down these declarations. Lord, give us fresh hope, new words. Help us to be people who rule over our spirit well with your help. Help us to speak life, speak hope, speak peace, to speak a new day over our relationships. Lord, give us your words to write down and to speak out in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take some time to do that.